Well, if uh, I don't know if the angels sounded better than that, but if they did, they really sounded great, didn't they? That last song, that was wonderful. Our teaching series here at uh, the church in December has been uh, entitled Songs for a Savior, and we've been looking at the Gospel of Luke, which uh, in the narrative there uh, regarding the, the announcements of Jesus coming and then the announcement of Jesus' birth, everybody's singing, everybody's breaking forth in song. And so we have just been looking at each of these and saying, what do we learn about that uh, the human response to the amazing news that the Son of God has Come. And uh, tonight I want to just talk with you about this from the shepherd's perspective, okay? The shepherd's song. And you say, well, what shepherds are you talking about? I'm talking about these shepherds. Luke says, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. These are the famous shepherds of the Christmas story. And these were shepherds that had no idea that night that they were about to become famous. They had no idea that they were about to be immortalized in nativity scenes and paintings and other artwork. Uh, In fact, I brought here tonight, uh, uh, these are two of the shepherds from our nativity set at home. And uh, these are like childproof. (laughs) They're like a hard rubber so uh, uh, kids can play with them. I have an 18-month-old daughter, and, and these shepherds have watched over their flocks in many home, many rooms of our home uh, this December. They have been there. So I'll just put these here. Some people need uh, visuals. So there are your visuals of the shepherds. But these shepherds, they had, they had no idea that they were about to become famous. They were just doing their job. It was just another night for them there on the hills outside of Bethlehem. They probably grew up doing this. The culture of the day was that vocation was passed down generation to generation. So to be a shepherd was to learn shepherding from dad and then grow up and become a shepherd and maybe teach your own son. So even that night, there might have been, you know, old shepherds, young shepherds, boy shepherds. We don't really know. We also can't lose sight of the fact that these same hills outside of Bethlehem Centuries before, there was another shepherd who became famous. And uh, this boy shepherd had a heart after God, and God picked him to be the king over his people. And his name, of course, was David. And when God made that promise to David, he said, And oh, by the way, your descendant will sit on an eternal throne. He will rule forever and ever. Who lives long enough to rule on a throne forever and ever? What is that talking about? And who is that talking about? Verse 9 says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, three key titles, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. 
When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So here we have this amazing moment. To that point, probably the most amazing moment in all of human history, where human ears hear news that the Christ, God himself, had been born. Emmanuel, God with us, that God had, had uh, uh, taken on flesh and become a baby. This amazing, amazing news. And again, the words are bewildering. Born to you this day in the city of David is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And these shepherds, I'm sure they weren't great theologians, but when they heard the word Christ, every Jewish boy grew up knowing and being taught the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, the prophecies about this one who is going to come, this Messiah who would come and deliver the people. And so they heard, they heard Savior, they heard Lord, but I'm sure they heard Christ. The Messiah has been born over in Bethlehem? Are you kidding me? And they thought to themselves, we have got to go and to check this thing out. And so they do. They leave their flocks. And for shepherds to leave their flocks, it takes something pretty big, doesn't it? And indeed it did. And they went over to Bethlehem, uh, presumably a nearby town. And Bethlehem at the time, probably about five to six hundred, uh, I'm sorry, maybe 500 to 1,000 people in this town. So not a giant town, but big enough to where you don't just stroll into town and, and uh, you know, find a baby. Especially when you realize this was at night. And guess what ancient people did at night? They slept. <laughs> so everybody's sleeping. Everybody's in their house. You, you know, how do you, find a, how do you find a baby in a town like that? Now, if you'll just pardon me as I share a, a cute story regarding my 18-month-old daughter. Would that be okay? Here Christmas Eve, it's a time for family. I'll just tell a quick story about my, my little girl. Uh, we have this nativity set. I, I shared it earlier. And it's on the floor. It's where she can kind of, you know, play with it. Well, she likes all of them. But her favorite is Ditas. Okay? That's how she says Jesus, her little name for Jesus. So she plays with the little baby Jesus. And uh, so we, of course, love that. Better uh, him than the donkey right? So uh, she's been playing with Jesus. Well, about two weeks ago, Jesus came up missing. We looked everywhere for Jesus. We couldn't find Jesus in our house anywhere. Nooks, crannies, we're looking everywhere. Finally, we take the, uh, the toy box, we turn it upside down, and all the way down in the bottom of the toy box, we found the little baby Jesus. So apparently, sometimes it's hard to find Jesus. That's the point, okay? <laughs> and just an excuse to tell a story about my daughter. Thank you. Uh, so here are these uh, shepherds, and they're trying to find one child in a town of maybe a 1,000 people, how many houses that is, and all that. This is not, not an easy thing. So they go into town, and they're like, hey, Anybody, anybody seen a pregnant woman around here lately? Anybody know anything about a baby being born? And of course, people are maybe in the house, so they're knocking on the door saying, excuse me, did you see any pregnant woman? And 
you know, we men have learned never to, you, you never note pregnancy in a woman, right? You, you could be 18 months pregnant in front of me. I'm saying nothing, right? <laughs> I have learned that lesson. So under his breath, some guy goes, I saw a pregnant woman. I think she went that direction. And so they took clues and tips from people. They make their way. Somebody said, you know, I saw somebody that she looked like she's about to give birth and she's back over there. And so there they finally arrive in this presumably a stable and there's a baby. Now the baby is wrapped in swaddling clothes. That is not a great clue because Most babies probably were wrapped in swaddling clothes. The great clue was where the baby was located. There was this baby in a manger, which is basically an animal feeding trough. Now, why is that a great clue? Because ancient people didn't put their baby in an animal feeding trough. Unless it was a remarkable circumstance, which of course Mary and Joseph were experiencing. And so to see a baby in a manger, though that, that, that must be him. And indeed, indeed it was. Verse 16, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And, they, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for what they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Now this Christmas Eve, I just want to focus on two aspects of this story that are eminently relevant to every single person in this room. Here's the first one. We see in the story of the shepherds how God turns human expectations upside down. You say, well, I don't get that. Well, it's because we're not that familiar with shepherds. And we certainly don't look at shepherds now the way that they looked at shepherds then. We look at shepherds now and we're like, wow, cool, you were in the story of Jesus. But back then, shepherds were more notorious, more infamous than famous for a couple of reasons. One is that they handled animals and because of what they did, they actually were considered ceremonially unclean. They weren't allowed into the temple. They had to go through a whole ceremony before they were allowed into uh, the place of worship there in Israel. On top of that, what they did uh, required them to be gone a lot. They were basically vagabonds across the countryside watching these sheep. And so they didn't make it to temple too much. It was kind of inconvenient. If you ever had a a farmer friend and my, half of my family were all farmers, then you know it's, it's hard for farmers to take a vacation, to make it to things, because the cows never go on vacation, do they? They still need to be milked, things need to be taken care of, and so these sheep needed to be watched, and it was all too easy for the shepherds to go, you know the sheep need to be watched. So maybe we won't make it to temple this week. Which in the Jewish culture made them very suspicious. They ain't going to temple very often. And they're unclean anyway. And then on top of that, over time, shepherds developed the reputation for for, uh, having the five-finger discount. Okay, you heard of that? It's the perspective on things where what's mine is mine and what is yours or thine can be mine if I simply take it. They They were the kind of people that when they came around, everybody kind of like held onto their pocketbook and just... Made sure that, okay, he's passed. I'm all right now. 
They were shepherds. Yeah, the shepherds we're talking about. That's how people looked at them. And maybe even these shepherds were characters like that. We don't know exactly, but that was their reputation. So we ask the question then, of all the people that could have heard the most amazing news that has ever been heard, why did God choose shepherds? Why not important people? Why not upstanding citizens? Why not religious people? Why not leaders like Caiaphas or Herod? Why shepherds of all people? And I believe the reason God announced the news to shepherds was that it would be an enduring corrective to human pride. Now, why would I say that? Well, because the human impulse when it comes to religion and God is always to think that somehow who I am or what I have done has earned me some favor with God, right? So I'd like to think that my accomplishments or me being generally a good person or, you know, uh, uh, better than average at least or better than most people I know or maybe my standing in society or good things that I have done or having nice kids or whatever it might be. All these things, we, we kind of prop up our identity and our sense of self and we think that somehow these are the things that must incline God to be in favor of me. Or maybe that's why you came to the service. We have people come to service all different kinds of reasons, but sometimes people come to services like this one because they think to themselves, if I want God's favor on my life in 2015, I better be going to Christmas Eve service. I got to get like things squared up with God. And he'll note that I took the time to go to the Christmas Eve service and now I go into 2015 knowing God is for me. And then you have these blasted shepherds who stand as a kind of enduring statement that apparently God is not a respecter of persons. Or he would have certainly have sent the angels to somebody other than the shepherds. And what do they say? They say that it doesn't matter how high you are or you think you are, and it doesn't matter how low you are, God doesn't view us from the perspective of our standing in society. Or you would never have sent the angels to the shepherds and had them be a part of this story in the way that they were. Shepherds. Smelly shepherds. They look like the cast of Survivor, like episode 8. Disheveled, unkept, completely unsophisticated. They are the first ones to hear. It strikes me that they weren't allowed into the temple. They weren't allowed into the palace. But they were personally invited into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Shepherds. And I rather like the fact that it was shepherds that were invited because I can't relate to the angels and I can't relate to super righteous people like Caiaphas. I can't relate to power like Herod, but I can relate to shepherds. It says that while maybe I can't approach Jesus as an angel, I can come to Jesus 
as a sinner. And indeed, that's why he came anyway, right? His name means Savior. He came to save his people from their sins. And I rather think that means there isn't a single person here who isn't qualified as a sinner to come to Jesus and indeed is invited to do so. And I wonder if you see yourself as one of them. The second thing that we find in this story, I want to note that joy comes after, after encountering Jesus. Not before, after. We're only told two emotions in the whole story. The angels appear, the shepherds, what do they feel? They feel great fear. The second emotion we find is after they have found the child and they leave, and what are they doing? They're glorifying and they're praising God. Joy is what I'm calling that. What made the difference? How did they go from fearful to joyous? And the answer clearly is they had an encounter with Jesus. Even as a baby, they had an encounter with Jesus. And what they discerned in him, based on what the angel said, they believed to be true. I think this was the logic. The angel said, you're going to find him in a manger. He's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. And he is Savior, Christ, and Lord. And they got there, and he was in a manger, and he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Here's shepherd logic. If he was wearing what the angel said he was wearing, and if he was where the angel said he would be, then he must be who the angel said that he is. Savior, Christ, and Lord. I believe those shepherds believed to the extent that they could in this child. And they left joyous. They left praising. And we see here, friends, what so many of us would just say from our own personal experience, and that is that an encounter with Jesus, a faith encounter with Jesus, is a transforming event. Now, I got to tell one other thing. I haven't said this to any of the other services. It brings tears to my eyes to think about this. But I was thinking as I was in the front watching this choir singing this joyous song. Maybe you're a visitor here. You don't know these people. I know them. I know them. And my eyes went to one mother of a murdered son who was singing in this choir. My eyes went to the son of a mother who suffered a, I'll call it an episode, that has left her largely incapacitated and is in a long-term care facility. And they were both on this side. In the highest, in the highest, in the highest. How can they sing like that? With these kinds of things that they've experienced in their life, they know this Jesus that I'm talking about. And that's what I'm trying to say here is that The shepherds had fear. I don't know what your emotion is. I don't know what emotion you dragged in here today. No doubt there are people here that are afraid. We have people here that are angry. We have people here that are bitter. We have people here that maybe are lonely. I know that feeling. I got married when I was 44 years old. And I came over time. I really, you know, I didn't enjoy the holidays, honestly. 
um, and yet I'm pastoring this church. I'm speaking at Christmas Eve services like this. I, I liked that part of it. But for me as a single man, for all that time, even with family, there were things I experienced in the holidays. I was still, I felt alone. And it hurts. And so I don't know what you brought in here today. But what I want you to see in this story is that knowing Jesus by faith transforms the painful human experience into joy. And not silly joy, not superficial joy, any more than these two people in the choir uh, were superficial. I'm talking about the deeper, real, lasting gladness in God and in knowing His Son, Jesus, and knowing that my sins are forgiven. That kind of joy. And I wonder here, our last service, have you had a faith encounter with this Jesus? It's one thing to sing it. It's one thing to go to a service. But do you see yourself like a shepherd? Do you see yourself like a sinner? And do you realize who this child was and is? Because the the rest of the story here, if you continue to read in Luke, is that this baby grows up and he lives the most remarkable life that has ever been lived and demonstrated miraculous power in healing and over nature and many other ways and spoke truth that to this day guides the ethical perspective of our entire world and legal system from the words of Jesus. And that he had an incredible compassion for people that were on the fringe, people that were disenfranchised, people that were on the edges of society, the people that were ignored. Those were the ones that he cared for, reached out to, touched, and loved. And this Jesus was nailed to a cross by the Romans, and he died. And the Bible says that death was different than any other death. He died in our place. He died as a substitute. He died for our sins. Just like the angel said that he was going to be a savior, he became a savior by dying for our sins, was resurrected on the third day. And after that said, anyone who believes in me will have their sins forgiven will be granted reconciliation with God, will be given the gift of eternal life. And that's the message of Christianity. That's the transforming message. God does something in our hearts and our lives when we encounter by faith this Jesus. And you might say, well, what do I need to do? What do you mean by that? You need to admit that you're a sinner and acknowledge your sins before God. Believe in this Jesus. And C is commit your life to him. A, B, C. Acknowledge you're a sinner. Believe in Christ. And commit your life to being a disciple of Christ. And from that flows a kind of change and a kind of joy that nothing else in this world can provide. And that's what we celebrate. We celebrate Christ. We celebrate the light, the life that he has brought into this world. And you can know that life right now. I just say to this room, I just, uh, why not? Right? Why not? 
Why not trust and believe in him? I urge you to do so. Like a shepherd. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Is he your Savior? He can be if you will believe. He is Christ the Lord.